You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, we're live. Are you there? Hey, can you hear me, Brian? Hey, how's it going? All right, I'm doing fine. I'm just uh, working out the technology over here. So, welcome to the pod. I believe this is episode five, but honestly, it's been so long since the last one. I'll have to go, <laughs> I'll have to check it out. I'm pretty sure it's number five. So, Today, Brian, you know what? I don't even know how to pronounce your last name. How do we pronounce your last name? Cray, like C-R-A-Y. I have definitely been saying that wrong in the back of my head whenever <laughs> I read whenever I read your bylines. I have definitely said uh, Krieg. Has that ever happened before? Yes, it is. The Irish spelling throws everyone off. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm terrible. Um, so because it's been so long, we're going to... We're going to sort of wing it. I'm not even going to lie. I know I want to talk about Eric Hosmer, and we uh, we planned some things out before we started uh, started chatting, so we'll just we'll just do it and see how it goes, and it hopefully it sounds mildly professional. It's going to be great. Yeah, so you got to tell me like where you're from and then what your fandom is. That way I don't, I don't say something really mean about your favorite team. Sure, sure. So I'm from north side of Chicago, uh, Lake Zurich, Illinois. Uh, now live downtown in the city, but uh, diehard Cubs fan. Grew up in a family full of White Sox fans, so I've seen the the best and worst of each side of it. But, uh, okay. I've been writing with fake teams for it started about six years ago. Took a year or two off. Um, was writing with uh, Jason Hunt and Ray Gilfoyle were on the site, and then reached out to Pete about a year ago. You know, see if I could pick back up and and hop right back into it. So um, been around for a little bit and, and enjoyed every second of it. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I don't even know how long I have done fake teams. I want to say maybe in three years now. Um, I really appreciate the, the laid back vibe that, that we get. I started with Ray as well and he is missed. I do enjoy Mr. Pete, but, uh, I definitely, yeah, Ray's, uh, Ray's the godfather, man. He, he's, he brought up a lot of us from a lot of people who kind of made it to other places in the industry and stuff. And, uh, big shout out to Ray for all that. Yeah, I still I don't know if I should say it. I, I still keep up with him and it I have talked with him about like, hey, whenever you get bored, you know, come on back kind of thing. So we'll see. I know he like he left that to start like a new gig and you know, I definitely understand real life getting in the way of yeah. fake life. But uh I don't I don't think Ray's totally done with baseball yet. That's a I, I had no not. idea we were gonna I had no idea we were gonna talk about ray on the pod so there you go ray that's the bold prediction we we think that we think that you're going to come back you're like the, the the player or the coach who just can't stay away so bold bold prediction time for ray all right cool awesome well thanks for joining because uh, i think that i have turned into the de facto host here which is definitely not my intention whenever we talked about fantasy baseball pod i was definitely thinking it would be a uh 
what do young people call it? A collaboration. Sure. So I don't want to carry the team. So I'm going to have to have you guys, Eddie, um, Joe, Haji, everybody's going to have to chip in. So maybe then it'll be, it'll be more uh, consistent. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to get a full round table episode together, get everyone on here at some point. I don't know if I can manage all that stuff. That'd be a lot of, <laughs> a lot of muting and uh, chastising. A lot of hot takes. Just based on the Slack chats. I don't I don't know. We'll see. We'll start with like three. We'll we'll bring a third one on here at some right. point. So all right. So since we were here last time, Eric Hosmer finally is a San Diego Padre, like we all thought for forever. And I know that I have some takes on Hosmer, but I wonder if you want to start or if you want me to start. What do you how do we feel about Eric Hosmer? Sure. What so do you think? From a fantasy perspective, I'm not sure it moves the needle too much for me. Um I thought he was a little overrated going at about 72 overall in the, in the most recent NFBC data poll that I'm looking at. A um, couple guys going later that I'd still prefer. I'd, I'd rather take a Joey Gallo, Ian Desmond, um, you know, 30, 40 picks later. But uh, the floor is nice in a certain format, you know, points only. I could see him having some extra value without, uh, you know, not getting dinged for strikeouts. And But the power is missing too much for me to really buy in here. Um, I know we'll talk a little bit later about the great fantasy baseball invitational and, and leagues like that where you got to hit a home run with a guy. I mean, I'm just staying away from Hosmer. I don't, I don't really need him. Um, I'm hopefully having a first base before that and then fin- figuring out corner infield later. But uh, in terms of value, you know, park factor, relatively the same. Um, supporting lineup, you know, if some of these prospects pan out, could be, um, could be advantageous. But I don't see much, in, much change in terms of production for Hosmer after, after the signing. Yeah, so full disclosure, I Googled before we started MLB ballpark factors. <laughs> so from it's very scientific. From last year, uh, 2017, I looked at uh, Kauffman Stadium versus Petco because the whole, you know, okay, Kauffman, Petco, kind of similar. But, um, and just last year, so we're only talking one year, way less offense in Petco. I mean, it, like less runs, less home runs, less hits, less doubles, less triples. Um, I mean, it. I think going from the Royals to, I, I assume we would say it's a slightly better lineup. Um, actually, it's a much better lineup. Um, I just like, in general for me, like it, I do think it is something of a park downgrade. And I do agree I think it was Eddie who mentioned, like, just when you're looking at first base profile in general, it's a very powerful position. Hosmer, to me, is not somebody I get excited about. So, I mean, it, I don't know if the NFBC data is driving the industry ADP, because in those leagues, I haven't done any, but my understanding is you don't make any moves, correct? You just draft your team. Sure, yep. So... In that format, like if I miss out on one of the early guys, I can understand Hosmer as the 10th guy off the board because he is so durable. He's going to play 160 games. Um, So, yeah, he hit 25 home runs each of the last two years, but it took him, where was it? I think it was 158 games and 162 games. And it for a guy with a 53% career ground ball rate, it just – he doesn't look like a dude that has a ceiling, and it, I'm inclined to just wait and take a couple of darts later if I if I miss out. So then it's like two sides of my mouth. Like I get it, he's durable, he's going to give you a solid batting average and twenty something home runs. 
but it there's no there's no upside for me. So it he's just a really boring pick, and I know that that's the pick that a lot of times we just don't make because it's not exciting. I just don't want to do it. It's just really boring. Is that bad? If you want a boring no, if you want a boring pick, I mean Justin Smoke going geez, 60, 70 picks later with higher uh, home run upside and. I'd much rather take that as a, as a boring pick than, than go seventh round with Hosmer. Um, I just think there's so much else out there from a fantasy perspective. If I'm, if I'm paying that price, I'm, I'm rolling the dice and hoping to hit it on someone big. Um, you know, I have Joey Gallo ranked higher than him. All else equal, you know, throw ADP out the window. I'd still rather take Gallo um, in, in just about any format, obviously points being the exception with those, those strikeouts. But um, yeah, I, I do like the deal from a, Real fan or real baseball perspective, though, um, I do think it makes sense. Kind of what, what the Padres have going, the prospects they have coming up. Um, everyone likens it to the Jason Worth Nationals deal, as some of those prospects were, were on the cusp. And, and I agree, um, Padres a little different given the uh, the amount of pitching prospects they have is a, a little more concerning than than a lot of the bats that you know the Nationals, Cubs, Astros, some of those teams that overhauled were were offensive heavy, so a little safer plays. I think with uh, Gore, um, Baez, Quantrill. A lot of arms in this rotation that are in, in the system that uh, need to pan out and stay healthy for this to really, really make sense for for the Padres. Yeah, I mean, it, like real baseball perspective, I would not argue it. He's still young. He's solid. Um, I read a I read a piece from Fangraphs today where I think it was Jeff Sullivan. I might be totally wrong, but uh, just talking about how like a guy like that that's a he's a World Series champ. Uh, he just got a big payday. He's obviously highly valued by the Padres who just paid him. Like a guy like that doesn't have a lot of reason to need to change what he's doing. So, I mean, it, when you read that, I mean, it, it makes sense to me just on a, on a practical level. Like why, like for what reason would Hosmer feel like I've got to all of a sudden change who I am when I just had this big payday and I've experienced all this success. I mean, it, real life baseball. Sure. He's young. What is he? He's 28, I believe. Um, definitely, definitely not an old guy. So I mean, it, no way I would argue against that for somebody that's as solid and durable as he is. But for fake baseball, I'm just, I'm just ignoring the mess out of him. And it maybe it'll come back and bite me in the butt. But that's what I'm doing with Hosmer. I don't know why I wanted to talk about him so badly. No, I agree. I think we're on the same page with with Hosmer. Um, hopefully, it doesn't come to it. But if if I need to, I suppose there's there's a nice floor there. Right. All right. So Hosmer was big news after Hosmer, 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 Hoslest. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) So after uh, after Hos, the big new thing since the last time we had a pod was the humidor, humidor, humidor. It's all over Twitter. The the main thing that sticks out to me is and it and Pianowski actually says this all the time, like regression should start the conversation not be the end of it. So, I mean, it, yes, there's a humidor in Arizona. It's going to have some kind of an impact that everybody says is, is negative. How how much of a negative impact do we think it's going to have? Like, and, and I guess basically, like, for Goldschmidt, like, how much do we ding him? Whereas, like, pre-humidor, you're talking he was, like, a no-brainer number two or three. Um, I, I would think you even could have pulled the trigger number one and nobody would have said anything to you. Now, post humidor, what are you what are you thinking? So I'm definitely uh, thinking. I actually took a look at his uh, his steamer projections that came out pre humidor news. Um, 
and I actually tried to make some some adjustments. Derek Cardi um, put a whole bunch of, of, of interesting tidbits out there, taking what we learned from the core Simidor effect and, and trying to translate that over to, to what we'll see at Arizona. And uh, if you take the factors he put out there, you would drop his runs and RBIs by about 10 each. They're saying about a 37% decline in home runs. So if you took the 20 home runs he hit last year and dropped those, um, you know, and, and then you kind of put all that together, and I put it back in the tiered rankings piece that I've been doing, and it puts Goldschmidt right in between Jose Ramirez and Freddie Freeman, which still feels a little low. Um, that's like a back end of the second round type spot. I think I'd go a little sooner than that, but an interesting data point to kind of apply the hum- what we think will be the humidor effects to his steamer projections, and then and then kind of see where that goes. So I, I'm comfortable with him in the back end of the first. Honestly, I'm I'm hoping. The, the humidor effect in drafts keeps going and, and keeps bringing his price down. I think he went at the end of the first in a, in a recent mock draft army I did with, with Howard Bender and those guys. Um, hopefully it keeps falling and I can get him the, in the back end of, of some first rounds and in, in drafts coming up here. Yeah, I definitely think late first is where I feel more comfortable. If I'm sitting in the middle of the first, and then I'm having to make that decision, then it makes me more nervous. Whereas if I'm at the end, somebody else can make my decision for me. If he's sitting there at the, at the end of the first, I'm definitely taking him. If I was going to have to rank the first round to you in a vacuum, I still think I'd have to put him either fifth or sixth, depending on how much in love I was with, with bets on a given day. And, it, and he's a guy that I really feel like got Babbitt, Babbitt last year. Um, I think I almost would lean towards bets and then I go, then I go Goldschmidt. So for me, he's probably some combo of Trout, Altuve, Arenado, Trey Turner, bets, and then Goldie. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely dinging him a little for sure. And then, uh, it's not all bad. I do think that it's made me more inclined to check out Zach Grinke and Robbie Ray and then taking a, taking a flyer on like a Taiwan Walker. If our uh, if our fake team slow mock will ever get to said point in the draft, I'll probably take a flyer on Taiwan Walker. <laughs> but it we're really living up to the definition of slow mock. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that thing is dragging. Uh, that's that's something else. I have uh, at multiple times thought about like we just need to trash it and like we started it pre Humidor and now we're we're still going post <laughs> post Humidor. <laughs> Yeah. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to like qualify these picks with like all right, Goldschmidt was taken pre humidor. But uh <laughs> yeah. Sousa was Sousa was drafted post humidor, I'm pretty sure. It's pretty bad. Since we're talking about it on air, I think I'm just gonna have to kill it. It's fine. We'll start over. Yeah. We could throw a do a couch manager draft or something, give them give everyone a, a clicker time limit, it'll be good. All right, what about uh what about you with like Arizona? Honestly, with Arizona, like I wasn't really dying to draft any other player, which sounds crazy. I was. I did get super interested in Avila when they signed Avila. I felt like that was one of their glaring weaknesses. And uh, that guy's line drive rate is absurd, yeah. by the way. Yep. That was uh, Dave Potts. I talked about that on the last pod. He just threw that out on Twitter randomly. Like It's like 25% and over every year, so... Definitely like Avila, as cheap as he's going to be in that lineup. But other than that, I wasn't really dying to take any more Diamondbacks. So the Humidor thing is basically made me like more excited to take the pitching. Yeah, I uh, the guys I was excited about, I don't think the Humidor 
affects them as much. I think a guy like Cattell Marte was a sleeper I was interested in. Power wasn't a big part of his game to begin with. Um, a few guys might interest me if their price falls. I think a guy like David Peralta might see his ADP drop a couple rounds, and at which point I'm I'm still kind of interested in him. Honestly, you know, across the board, should get that leadoff spot in Arizona interests me. But Pollock, I was staying away from Lamb. I didn't like to begin with. Um, Souza is interesting, um, just given the, the 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 park factor shift of where he came from. I don't know that the Humidor news impacts the stock that much. So maybe someone I'm, I'm still keeping an eye on uh, later in drafts. But uh, I, the pitching certainly where it gets the most interesting. Um, and, and in particular, I know you might cover this in one of your uh, DFS pieces coming up. But I'm very curious to see how some of these pricing algorithms um, take into effect this this news if they get out in front of it or or wait for some some actual data to roll in before you know we see maybe pitchers are underpriced for the first couple of weeks in Arizona, and that's an opportunity for us. I'm really curious to see when that when that first set of pricing rolls out, what they do with it. it definitely something I had not thought about. Um, and it, who knows, man? I don't what transpires between now and then. Like if if people keep throwing shade on Goldschmidt, then maybe maybe he's the underpriced guy for DFS as soon as the season kicks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, in that, I do think it would be pitchers though that would be that would be sneakier if the if the casual fan is more inclined to think that maybe it's not going to have that much of an impact. Because I think that if you the more you read uh, people that are smarter than myself, um, it seems like most people think that it's going to have more of an impact on offense than than it did in Coors. Like it, like Arizona is probably going to be a pitcher's park this year. Is is what mm-hmm. I believe. It is what I believe Cardi said on Twitter. So um, I'm going on the record like I'm not a scientist. I don't propose that I understand everything, but it but it does seem like um, I mean when you get into talking about like sea level in Arizona versus like sea level in Colorado, and it like man, I just want to play fantasy baseball, and that's like getting a little bit too intense for me. Sure. But uh, well, but it makes sense if we're talking about humidity, and I mean it. It just it makes sense that it, it's probably going to ding Arizona a lot more. So it's a little it's a little sketching me out for fantasy, but it, it's making me more interested in the pitchers. Well, and, and the one thing to keep in mind with all this too is you know they they floated out a number of uh, you know what percent humidity they're they're going to keep the balls at pregame. So all of that is subject to change. If a month into it they feel like you know it's offense is being too suppressed, they want to sell tickets. I mean they might change it. We're, we're making a lot of assumptions here. On, on, um, just a few comments handed out. So something to keep in mind too. Nothing's written in stone in terms of the impact. This all might might change as they choose to um, evolve their use of the humidor. Yeah, I was. Uh, I think it was Haji and I were talking about it earlier. Might have been one of the first episodes. I mean, it, I don't see why the MLB would be inclined to stop the the home run barrage. I mean it. It made last year extremely exciting, but it also no pitchers complaining about the ball and the grip and the blister problems that were league wide and rampant. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's clear they have to do something, but it you'd have to think that they would like to keep the balls flying out of the yard as well. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. So yeah. that so that's Goldschmidt Humidor. We mentioned Souza. You have any you have any thoughts on Brandon Drury in the going to the Yankees? Uh. Most interesting impact for me is what it, you know what it does at Glaber Torres. I don't think he was going to start the the season out in New York to begin with, but uh, you know 
may hit his uh, plate appearances, drop by about 100, if, if what I was projecting earlier. I think they may keep him down a little bit longer, and he was an intriguing name. Um, I know he sort of has the title of a more, uh, you know, more impactful prospect for, for, for real baseball as opposed to fantasy, but I, uh, I disagree. I think he's going to um, contribute across the board in a significant, fairly significant way. I don't think the power's you know, all there, but um, definitely going to contribute in all five categories and someone to, to keep an eye on. I followed him, obviously, through the Cubs system, was a huge fan before we dealt him for, for Chapman, which can't complain. The trade worked out, but... Um, some guy to certainly keep an eye on. I was I was really excited to see what he could do in, in almost a full year this year in New York. Yeah, I know that's that's one of the guys that Haji brought up. I think maybe two episodes ago as maybe a potential breakout, but it it looks like we're having some cold water thrown on that. Yeah. Um, Drury is a guy I brought up in the in the last DFS piece. Um, just being a little bit sneakier because he's the he's the righty versus righty split, and it, I don't know how yep. much he DFS, but it, everybody's always dying to get the righty versus lefty split. So if you get those reverse splits, it's nice, and it uh, seems like the prime candidate for for your Yankees wraparound stacks because he's probably going to be batting eighth, I would think. But it, in that park, batting right-handed in that lineup, I mean, it he's probably going to be sneaky at certain times. So. Yep. Jury will probably be a part of my life when DFS starts rolling around. But for fantasy baseball season long, I'm I'm out. Not interested. I yeah. doubt I doubt doubt most people are. Nope, AL only guy. Uh, and his positional eligibility is a little messy. We, we will see if he's. I think he's second base only right now, but but projects to maybe get third. So I'm leaving him right. alone for now. Yeah. Ditto that. All right, so. You have to explain to me what's so cool about this uh, big baseball league that I somehow fell into. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, like I didn't check my email for like two weeks. And then when I finally checked it, I had this really cool sounding email from Justin Mason. And I was like rapidly emailing, like, please tell me there's still more room so I can get in. And uh, somehow I snuck in. So I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm excited to sneak in. I'll be totally <laughs> honest. I didn't know exactly what it was. It just sounded really cool. No, yeah, I was, I, I was just happened to be on Twitter when the invite came out and, and they, they posted the big um, survey. But, but for those who don't know, uh, Justin Mason of, well, he's everywhere now, but, but Rotographs in particular is where I, I catch a lot of this stuff. Um, on Fantrax, putting together the great fantasy baseball invitational. Uh, experts from, from around the industry all getting together. And it's uh, similar to... Um, I think it's the NFBC uh, main event where there's a host of different leagues, um, 15 team leagues, all playing Roto, uh, all competing amongst the league themselves, but then also a grand prize of, of across all, all leagues. We you know, recalculate the Roto rankings across everyone and see who is the, the overall champion um, playing for a pretty good grand prize too. I think there's, there's some, some sort of money on the line as well for the overall, overall champion, but, but props to Justin. He did an awesome job getting a, a ton of, of industry leaders in, in these leagues. Um, I know in, in mine, myself, I got uh, Sammy Reed, Jason Collette, Brett Sayer, um, Prospect Fiend, uh, Smada, a whole bunch of guys who I see all the time on Twitter and, and are, are really pumping out a lot of good stuff and, and doing good things for the industry. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to take part. I think yourself and then, and then Eddie also is representing fake team. So we got, we got three of our, nice. three of our guys in there um, for the year. So, so fun, fun, Sammy Reed story. I'm like, I don't know if you know, like I'm a, I'm a school counselor. I work at a middle school and uh, 
maybe maybe two weeks ago we had we had a dance so i'm like chaperone the dance which is obviously one of the most awkward things ever but it's hilarious i mean it, like it's fantastic but i'm so i'm at the dance and i'm chaperoning you know whatever just hanging out and uh, i keep getting these like notifications on twitter and it's i like look down you know sometimes like if you don't change your news setting you get like 20 notifications no. and it's nobody's talking to you or anything like that it's just like so and so posted blah 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 so I, I click on it expecting to see that and instead it's like the the sammy reed follow friday bump where he's like yo you gotta like follow all these guys and somehow he stupidly put my name on there and it's very it's, it's very nice of him to do but it like i think i picked up like 130 followers just from i'm like at a at a dance for like an hour so when i get out i get like this massive bump so i'm just like publicly like can i like lose all these followers by admitting that i just spent the last hour at a middle school dance and it like like the sammy reed bump was legit so basically yeah. i'm just like hey sammy if you're listening i really appreciate it thanks man but it like i'm just like can i lose these like immediately by telling people where i'm at right now <laughs> i really know i don't warm up the, the new followers there but it uh yeah i don't know that i think they're they're still kind of like lingering so We'll we'll see how that goes, nice. but it, yeah, you you got some you got some good guys in there. I know I'm I know I'm in with uh, Pianowski at Yahoo, which is fun for me. Um, we're not like friends in real life. I like I like to think that we're like friends on Twitter. Um, I've done the fantasy baseball thing for a long time, so Scott and I've had some really good talks about just baseball and movies and music and and that kind of stuff. So it's nice to be stuck in there with Pianowski. Hopefully, I can take him down. Um, I know I'm in there with with uh, Gamble from Razball and then Ryan Bloomfield and uh, Mar Nick Mariano. I mean, it, like there's some there's some solid names in my room. So I, just about every league oh. is, is stacked and, with a couple uh, good names. So Yance, I'm in there with Yance. So Yance we'll have to see 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 where Yance decides to draft Corey Dickerson. <laughs> he might be too heartbroken, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's still going to take him. We'll see. <laughs> That'll be, we'll be like Corey Dickerson watch. That'll be fantastic. Uh -huh. so, yeah, the, the, yeah, the draft kickoff March 1st, uh, this Thursday. So um, I'm sure we're all kind of throw different pieces of content up and looking to see how each one of the drafts evolve. I, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things to take from, from each one of those. All right. So without like throwing you on the spot, like we, that's like the goofy talking about, talking about this league. Like I just found out tonight because you showed me, hey, dude, you know, you can see your draft slot. So, I'm at number nine, and you're at number four. So, given that you've had more time to think about it, have you put any thought into like where you're going to go at number four? Yeah, I am. I'm taking Turner or Stanton, whichever one falls to me there at four. Uh, I'm assuming it's going Trout Altuve. Uh, I'd rather have Turner, and then if not, we'll go Stanton. Uh, but uh, in in, a, in like this format, you know, you're trying to win it all. I feel like you got to hit hit home runs. So I'm going with the um, potential breakout guys. I think I think. Turner's upside is is you know matched only by Trout. To be honest, that might be a little bit of a hot take. I'm not sure, but um, the, the power and steel combination and just just everything hitting on top of that lineup. I think uh, Turner's a guy I'm not afraid to take a shot at or take a chance on it at number four. Um, and then if not Stanton, I, I, I'm all in. I think um, I think what he did last year is sustainable and only going to get improved um, with the move to to New York and the better ballpark there. So. Um, yeah, I'm probably going Turner Stanton. You're you're nine, right? Any any thoughts on on who you're taking? You're you're making me cry. Like number nine for me, and I'm sitting here thinking like your typical draft, you know. So when I see number nine, I'm thinking, all right, 
I get to have Stanton. Um, but if we're if we're approaching it this way, which I imagine a lot of smart people will, what I hear you saying is Stanton's probably not going to be there at number nine. Is that correct? We'll see. Uh, I I don't know if if I am if I'm being too aggressive in that. He hasn't gone that high in a lot of the mocks I've been doing. Um, I've been hopping in a lot of those mock draft armies um, with with Howard Bender and, and that crew. Um, haven't seen him gone that high uh, in any of those, but you know. Who knows? I, I think the logic holds for kind of where I'm thinking of, oh, we got to hit it big with a couple of these guys to, to, to maybe have a chance to win it all. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, so in the in the fake team's mock, I had in the nine hole. I definitely went Stanton and then paired him with Anthony Rizzo in round two, which is something we all talked about. I think two or three times at least that came up in uh, first base week that Rizzo in round two is a fantastic value. Um Definitely at nine, if Stanton's there, he's he's my guy. I mean, it, I'm I'm taking the chance at 65 home runs. If he's not there, I don't. It's tough. I'm gonna have to look at some of these settings and see and see what we're looking at. Um, anything funky with the settings that you can tell me? Uh, no, the the rest of the format is is um, straightforward. I, um, it really is just sort of that that uh, game theory of. Wanting to win your league, obviously the first fifteen, but having something that would hold up across across all the different leagues, and and trying to hit a few home runs in the draft, and um, I'll probably go a couple more high variance players than I typically would. You know, we mentioned Hosmer before. I, I think there's no way he ends up on my team, um, regardless of what my first base situation looks like at that point in the draft. I'd, I'd rather roll the dice on a Joey Gallo and hope the you know the BABIP gods are kind and he can hit two fifty. You know. So I mean, if if we're thinking about it that way, then like even Goldschmidt in the late first, it's probably not a guy that I would take. Um, I'd be more apt to go with, uh, I would, I mean, even Bryce, like I can, I can see Harper lingering until pick nine. And uh, I know he's had some injuries and people are a little skittish with Harper, but if you're talking like who's good enough to, to have a monster season, Harper obviously is a guy that uh, fits that bill. Yeah, and I think Somebody. even the, the, the case to, to reach for a starting pitcher makes a lot of sense at, at number nine. Um, you know, so few pitchers throwing 200 innings, but the few that do, if you can get a, a Kershaw sale um, and, and establish there, I think that does a lot for your ERA whip, you know, and then obviously the strikeouts and, and wins that come with that. But uh, I think there's a case for an elite starting pitcher in a format like this going a little earlier and trying to, to dominate the ratios. <laughs> Well, I may, I may, I may be in a better seat to do that than you, since I'm sitting there at the end of the first or towards the end of the first. So we'll we'll see. If I was you, I'd definitely be going with a bat as well. So yep. I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll have to do a little bit of research and then uh, do some Twitter stalking and see what the rest of my league is saying. <laughs> we'll see, see, who, we'll see who Pianowski loves, so I can snipe him. Oh yeah, yeah. It looks like Scott's got pick thirteen. So. He'll be okay. sniping me. That's uh, he'll be sniping me. That's how that'll go down. I do like I've I've followed him long enough. Like I I do think some of like the he's a little more conservative and likes to draft floor. And I definitely have operated that way for a long time. So there are a lot of takes that he he has that we share. So we'll we'll see drafting in close proximity. That'll probably make for some draft room fun. So I'm looking forward to it. I had no idea it was such a big deal. I appreciate you educating me tonight. <laughs> Hey, dude, by the way, this league is uh, kind of a big deal. You should pay attention. I had no idea there was a money prize either. Do you know how much it is? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the total offhand. I was trying to look at it. I couldn't find the – it doesn't look like it's posted anywhere on the, on the message board. 
Well, I do all these things for fun, but uh, winning money is also is also fun. So, we'll. Uh, I think I think you and I and Eddie, we should all put that out. That'll be part of uh, throwing some content up. Let's see see what we're gonna do with our respective uh, draft positions. That'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, since we've done all these cool things on fake teams, um, positional weeks for people that don't know, we are halfway home. We've already done. Four of the eight, so catcher, first, second, and shortstop are all in the books. Currently, we're working on third base. Uh, my question to you, and it, you could go anywhere you want, is anything that is there anything that has stuck out to you just like general draft strategy-wise for catcher? I guess we just, we'll start with catcher. Anything like in general with catcher that just pops out at you from that week? Yeah, biggest thing for me, as someone who is always opposed to, to – reaching on Buster Posey is I'm actually okay with taking Sanchez in the second round. Never thought I'd say it with a catcher, but uh, the knock with Posey was always the, the, the power was questionable. That's such a so far behind there, but with Sanchez, that's not, that's not an issue. Uh, he's so far head and shoulders above the rest of the position. I'm, I'm actually okay with taking him. I think he's going around pick 20 right now in NFBC leagues. Uh, and I am more than comfortable going back into the second round on, on a Gary Sanchez and locking up that position. Cause it gets ugly really fast. Yeah, I will say Buster Posey. Initially with Posey, I was like all out. And part of that is because his he's cost so much in years past to draft him. I do think this year, since it the price is depressed, that there are situations where I'm I'm fine with Buster Posey as my catcher. And it, I took him in the fake teams mock. And it give me two seconds, I can tell you where. Well, while you look that up, I, I update the uh, the tiered rankings that I do. And I know the, the, the one that's posted, uh, the steamer projections at the time, at, at Contreras is the number two catcher. But as, as they continually update, uh, Post is actually the number two catcher if you look at just the five standard categories and, and look at kind of value above replacement for the top uh, 21 guys. Um, Posey actually rates out as, as number two and, and currently going around pick 58 in FBC leagues. I think he's, he's an awesome value at that spot. Yeah, so so I took him in the seventh round, um, cool. the second in the seventh round. Yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, it, but it, and that's in a group full of people that probably dogged him all week. You know, like it, it's it's not uh, it's not sexy to pay up for a catcher. I mean, it, in general, like we've not we've not done that a lot in years past. You know, like for so long, I was taking like the the Brian McCann in round five or six, and 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 I was and I was good. Like I was totally set. This year with Posey, especially with some people buying into Contreras and then people going Sanchez early, if he drops, I'm not going to love it. But, I mean, there are definitely going to be scenarios where I have some Buster Posey this year. And it, part of it was doing the DFS piece. And I, I initially compared him to Joe Maurer, which I, I felt like was uh, a little premature when you when you look at what, what Posey does to, to left-handed pitching, which is just – absolutely obliterated so i mean i'm definitely gonna i'm definitely gonna have some posy this year and i wasn't i don't know where like the hot take hey i like buster posy came from but it if his price is depressed like that i'm probably gonna have some shares this year no and and when our, when our fake team's mock started he, he was batting in between probably joe panic and brandon belt and now he's got andrew mccutcheon and evan longoria surrounding them in that lineup uh this stock definitely went up, and, and I didn't see an ADP rise associated with that. So he's become a pretty good value, I think, in, in just about any format. Yep. So the other thing for me was 
something you said when you compared Salvador Perez to Evan Gaddis. Do you remember? I do, yes. Uh, if you look at steamer projections, um, Salvador Perez has uh, four more runs, one more home run, eight RBIs, and about nine points of average better. So nothing extreme, yet he's going 55 picks before Evan Gaddis is. And to boot, Gaddis might likely DH for the Astros this year and, and save himself um, some effort out on the field. So that'll be, you know, only a boon to his, his number of plate appearances and, and what he could do um, in, the, in the counting categories. Yeah, so for me, for me, that was a no-brainer. Like, it, I think we're, with Perez, you're talking like around 9 ADP. And then with Gaddis, you're talking like around 14-ish. Yep. That's, that sound right to you? And it, for me, it's like if I'm taking a catcher around round nine, I'm taking Real Muto slightly ahead of Perez. Like I'm not, I'm not taking Salvador Perez no matter what. Like I'm either, I'm going to take Real Muto just a little bit earlier, or I'm just going to wait and take Gaddis way later. Yep. And, it, and if you're looking at like the Royals versus the World Champion Houston Astros, and the guy that gets to, to DH and not catch every day, and then all the mileage that is on Salvador Perez, like I just. There's, I don't think there's any scenario where I own Perez this year. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And, and especially because after Gaddis, it gets real ugly with Yadiers and Nino, LaCroix. I'm not really sure there's anyone there who, who I'm comfortable with you know, for standard format. So Gaddis is sort of my last stand there around 14. If I don't get him, I'm, I'm in trouble. I may even reach up to 13 to, to make sure I get him. Because at that point, I'm, I'm pretty solid everywhere else position-wise. So. Um, He's kind of my where I draw the line in terms of drafting catchers. I don't, uh, I don't like it, but I think I'm going to have to take Grandall if we, if we continue to hear that the Dodgers would like to make the best hitting catcher in baseball in 2017 a backup. <laughs> then uh, I'm not going to be able to take Austin Barnes cheap anymore because he's a backup, even though he was the best hitting catcher last year by a mile. So. If Grandall is buried in ADP, like I would imagine he is, that's somebody that maybe would be like my last my last shot stab if I missed out on Gaddis. Yeah, I think he's at two two twenty seven right now, about round nineteen is where he's going. Um, and I agree. I um, well, I did see some elbow discomfort for Austin Barnes coming into camp, which is a slight concern for for a catcher. Uh, we'll see how that that works itself out. But I uh, one of my startup dynasty leagues, one of my you know panic you pick on the cell phone next and i i grabbed grandall probably earlier than i should so a little happy to see he might get some more more bats than i initially predicted because that looked like it might end up being a horrible pick and now it looks like it might pan out yeah i don't i'm just sad i was super happy about barnes i was just gonna do the blindly draft the guy that i felt like was more talented and hope that the opportunity found its way there and now i i didn't even know about the discomfort thing so Lots of cold water, all my Austin Barnes takes from Catcher Week, so don't go back and click on that stuff. It doesn't um, age well, yeah. Yeah, that did not age well, and it's only been like three weeks, so <laughs> it's not cool. So we should ignore that and move on. What about what about first base? You got anything? What, uh, uh, I know we, so we, we talked about like this tier of six. Do you, you buy into that, that like there's this grouping of six guys at the top, and then after that there's this big fall off? I do. Um, I'm actually willing to make it seven. I'll throw, I assume Reese Hoskins is the one we're excluding for now. I will throw him in that, in that top group of seven of guys in the first five rounds. I, I think I need to have one of them. 
I've I've grown a little bit more comfortable with uh, uh, Josh Bell, Miguel Cabrera, some of the later options. But I would much rather them be my corner infielder than have to rely on them at first base. So yeah, I think I think the top seven is where you know I'm willing to spend up and, and grab one of those uh, top seven guys. So for me, it would be uh, Will Myers at seven, and it, and I believe your word was the batting average is an anchor. Um, that is the wife calling. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so for me, it, like I get that uh, the average is not there, but for me, like the the floor of twenty something home runs, and I would imagine. I can't remember last year, maybe 15-ish steals, but yep. it, I know I'm at least going to get the counting stats with Myers. So uh, he's he's the guy that I would put seventh. And uh, the guy that I'm probably not interested in in the top six is Bellinger. And I don't know if that's a crazy hot take that uh, I'm more inclined to go with like the safety of a Brayu And uh, if I'm looking for just like that really big, powerful guy that strikes out a lot, I can just wait super late and draft Matt Olson, and I don't, I don't know if that's blasphemy or not. I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, you have any thoughts on like the fading of Bellinger and just taking like a Matt Olson way later? No, I'm I'm on board. the The Bellinger profile is a little too volatile um, for a. I think he's going 24th ish overall, so back end of the second, early early third. Uh, I'd much rather take a a Jose Abreu around later. Uh, and I'm with you with, with, with Will Myers, too, I guess. Um, the Steamers got it for 28 home runs, 17 steals. The 250 average hurts, but, you know, sixth round, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I think a guy like Encarnacion is someone I'm staying far away from and would much rather have a, a Will Myers uh, a round or two later. Well, so that's, so that's the debate. I mean, after, like, the top six or seven, you're looking at basically, like, the the young guy versus the old guy in Hoskins versus E5. So I feel like so much of this game is personality based. And it like, like if it's me, I'm probably going to take Encarnacion because I feel like I know exactly what he's going to offer. If I'm, I'm thinking about like my kid brother, who is like, he's like a, a much stronger guy than I am. Like, I know you can see me right now. Like I'm the, I'm the fast soccer player in the family. <laughs> he was, he was the big like hulking football player. So Baby brother would definitely take Hoskins and it like, and I know Encarnacion's a big, strong guy. So the analogy doesn't work, but it like for me, I'm going to, I'm going to probably play a little bit safer and take the guy that I know is going to give me a certain floor and not have to risk it with the young guy. So if it's like Hoskins versus E5, maybe I'm lame. I'm just going to lean towards Encarnacion. No, that's fair. I, I, I've been waiting for the E5 for, for Edwin to, to drop off and, he hasn't yet. He keeps chugging along, and without Carlos Santana there, at bats shouldn't be an issue for for Encarnacion. Um, not that they were in Cleveland to begin with, but it only helps his case. Uh, I I prefer Hoskins. I just think there's an upside there that we haven't seen a full season's worth. Everything looked legit you know, when he kind of came onto the scene late last year. Um, I wouldn't project the exact same pace, but I think you know Steamers got him at 37. I think I'm comfortable with that. You know, maybe break 40 um, if everything goes right, and that's that's upside. I don't know that Encarnacion can, can match it at this point. Yeah, I totally agree. He's, he's definitely the upside. I mean, if I, if I make that pick, I know I'm passing on some ceiling and it, for me, it just depends on where I'm at in the draft and, and what I already have so far, but it, 
I feel like there's so many ways I can take shots that it, if I'm clearly looking at a guy that can give me sort of a floor, that's hard for me to pass up sometimes. So again, maybe, maybe some personality creeping through. I like to, sure. I definitely go the, I go the floor route pretty often and it, I don't know if that's boring or not, but it, it's just the way I am. You brought up Josh Bell. That guy's ADP is so fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a, a 184 right now, round 16. Bro got him at his latest, and it's like seven picks ahead of Eric. Spots. Yeah, it's like seven picks ahead of Eric Timms, who may not even start. <laughs> yeah, that's fan. That's fantastic. Yeah, we we love Josh Bell. That's that's we're we're co-signing. That's fantastic. All right, awesome. Um. Second base, I'll be honest, like right now I'm like knee deep in third base. So second, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Obviously, we start that with Altuve. Yeah, my, uh, my big hot take here is, is Ruby Odor. He's going to be a top five second baseman this year. Love um, it. He's going you know, outside the top 100 picks, but I have him ahead of the likes of Daniel Murphy, D. Gordon, Whit Merrifield, Gene Segura. Give me Odor over all those guys, regardless of price. I, I think I still like what he's going to put up. Uh, above all those, above all those options, um, I'm all in Odor. I got, got a little heat in some of the comments. A few, few morons fl- thrown around after saying he may win me a couple of my leagues, but uh, I think the uh, the average regresses closer to a 250, 260 level, and you still get the same counting stats: maybe 30 homers, 15 RBI, 15 stolen bases, and 70, 80 runs and RBIs for each. I mean, out to the top 100, that that level of upside is is unmatched. 100% agree. Um, second base has been totally covered. All that you need to do is draft Rugi. We say Rugi, Rugi, Rugi. Draft Odor. Draft Odor, and uh, and you're good. I totally agree. The 30-15 floor in that crazy offense and that crazy park for a guy that definitely got Babbitt last year, if you will go look into the batted ball profile, Almost everything is is as identical as seasons before. The only thing that's different is batted ball luck. He did strike out a little bit more, but it you know in the grand scheme of life, I don't I don't really care about that. So I'm no. all over him as well. I love it. I think it's and fantastic. The nice thing too, if you wait and whiff on him because someone you know steals him a pick or two before you, there's a ton of other options just outside. I love Ozzy Albies, love a Ian Happ, Juan Moncada. There's just a lot of guys who have a ton of upside to to offer you know a round or two after where Odor is going so wouldn't the panic it's not like you ruin all your plans if you miss out on that guy there's there's a lot lot out there totally agree uh there's a guy by the name of ian kinsler out there Him in too. LA absolutely that that i love if i miss out so definitely agree there's people after to be had um also you just said if you you mentioned Odor and then you said something about like if you whiff on him so was the pun intended? <laughs> it was not a good catch yeah, it was it was nice. I just I had to put it out there. All right, so I appreciate you coming on here and making me somewhat interesting and all the all the awesome takes. And uh, I will do my best to edit this and make us sound smarter and uh, go from there. Cool. Yeah. No. Anytime you need uh, another guest, I know the solo pods are tough. I, I can't imagine doing that. I was impressed with with what you put out there. So if you're, you're a very kind host, soul. Let me know. You're very kind, so I think we're going to let the solo pods die, and I'm going to bring on you guys a lot more. So I appreciate it. But 
solo pods are, I mean, it's nice to be all introverted in my living room by myself, but it, it's a lot more interesting if there's some back and forth. So yeah, no, I don't I, know how Explore I, does them with the, with the rotographs. He has like hour and a half long ones where it's just like just him. It's unbelievable. It's so impressive to, to think about how he does that. Yeah. Well, that guy's a lot more interesting than I am. So <laughs> I don't, I know my, I know my limitations. I need some, I need some back and forth. So we'll keep the, we'll keep the dialogue going. I appreciate it. I will definitely be asking you to come back on here. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, man. I will see you. I'll see you on the dot com. Sounds in good. The Slack. Yeah, have a good one. All right, man. Oh,